I just wanted to throw in here too a quick thank you to Audio Jungle and Invado Market, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, for allowing me to buy the rights to my music for the intro and outro to my podcast episodes. Hello friends and welcome to my new podcast called Busy Buddy. My name is Taylor Overy and I'm currently a student at Shepherd University and this podcast I created for my senior capstone where each episode I go over different conspiracy theories that are out there. Some theories can be fascinating, some are ridiculous at times, but I personally feel like they are all fun to think about. If you're busy and you need a buddy to tell you a story, then you've came to the right place. A healthy reminder, these are conspiracy theories and are completely speculation. I'm not saying any of these are true or accusing anyone of anything. It is complete speculation. Alrighty, so let's get into today's topic, which is the Roswell Incident. So this could possibly be, I dare say, the most famous case slash conspiracy theory in terms of UFOs and aliens. I like to separate what the facts are versus what the theorizations are in cases, but there are so many different official statements that contradict each other in this one. There are hundreds, literally, there are approximately 600 to 700 people involved, but I try to only include very few of the most important names whenever I mention people because when I try to listen to cases in podcast form, I know it can be harder to follow. So I will try my best to differentiate whether I'm discussing a fact, whether I'm discussing a theory, and of course, as always, I'm going to start off with the facts. So the first fact is that it's the 1940s and World War II just ended and the Cold War was about to start. In the year 1947 alone, there was an unusual spike in UFO sightings, over 300 claims. Wow. Roswell, New Mexico is included in the locations of these claims. On July 4th, 1947, there was a rancher by the name of Mac Brazel. He came across the crash site on his farm. On July 7th, Mac Brazel takes the debris from the crash to his local sheriff, who then contacts the nearest military base, the Roswell Army Airfield, and he speaks to Colonel Blanchard. It should be noted that working on the space was a more elite group in the Air Force. They dealt with deploying bombs at the end of World War II. Colonel Blanchard then alerted his superior, General Ramey. Note that Ramey is based in Texas, not in New Mexico. And General Ramey ordered Major Marcel, who was an intelligence officer, to assess the crash site to recover the materials. The good thing is these military men have different positions, so it's a little bit easier to keep track of who is who whenever I'm talking about them. So Major Marcel lets Colonel Blanchard and General Ramey know about what he discovered. On July 8th, Blanchard tells Lieutenant Hott, a public informant officer, to issue a press release stating that they believe they have found a flying saucer and they have it in their possession. It was on the headlines of the newspaper, but revealed no details of what exactly they recovered. Of course, it being in the 40s, this news went around the world pretty fast. I feel like anymore we would honestly be like, okay, and continue on with our day. Within 24 hours of telling the newspapers and it being published, General Ramey ordered the crash remains to be taken to him in Fort Worth, Texas for his own personal inspection. Him and his staff swiftly identified the recovered objects as pieces of a weather balloon and ordered a new press release with the correction that it was not a flying saucer. By July 9th, it was on the headlines, quote, harassed rancher who located saucer, sorry he told about it. Brazel, the rancher, revealed in this article that the only materials he seen were rubber strips, tinfoil, paper, and sticks. Shortly after this, Brazel's neighbors reported seeing him driving around in a brand new pickup truck, and he left his job as a rancher to start a new business in another town. 
Um, I suspect some hush money in there, but that's my personal opinion, as well as many others. <laughs> Fast forward to 1994, so a, a good bit. <laughs> the U.S. Air Force admitted there was a cover-up of this incident. What? They did not admit to it being a cover-up of a UFO, but a cover-up of a top-secret military mission called Project Mogul? The materials that were found, they claimed, to still be a part of a weather balloon, but a more advanced one that could detect bombs from great distances. This is post-war era, so I guess it makes sense about developing new technologies to defend our country if needed. There were supposedly multiple tests of these weather balloons, and two of the test locations were over New Mexico. One thing to mention before this next fact is that it was claimed that there were alien bodies at the scene of the crash. So three years later, in 1997, the Air Force released another report where they had an explanation for the supposed alien bodies that witnesses thought they saw. So in the mid-1950s, they tested parachutes, or breathing devices, and attached them to human-like dummies and dropped them from the sky. These tests also occurred all over New Mexico. But this was done in the 50s, while bodies were said to be at the crash site, which happened in the 40s. So that doesn't make sense. The Air Force said that this timeline being off is explained because when people recall events like witnesses were, they can mix up a timeline of when and what they've seen. So basically telling them that something they saw in the 50s could have easily been mistaken as being a part of the event in the 40s. Little side note, I think that if I thought I saw a UFO alongside possible alien bodies for the first time ever, I would remember that years later, <laughs> even if it's a lifetime later. But then again, we don't know how much crazy things that are hidden from us. Maybe it's usual that if you're a scientist or high up in the military that you see crazy things every single day, and I guess you could get everything mixed up when you're looking back. The final fact is that when the files covering the details of the crash and the procedures, when these were requested, it was found that the records from January of 1947 to October of 1947 were completely destroyed. This includes the incident because it happened in July. The people who ordered and executed destroying all this documentation is still unknown, which that is so crazy. Now let us dive into the theory that goes along with the Roswell incident. Aliens and a UFO crashed on the farm that day, and U.S. Air Force covered it up. Okay, I'm done messing around, but really. And to this day, they continue to cover up what actually happened. The majority of this is all based off of interviews who were eyewitnesses. There's more than 600 people's testimonies from civilians to high-level military. Two respected researchers, Thomas Carey and Donald Schmidt, conducted many of the interviews, and they even wrote a book if you're interested. It's called Witness to Roswell, Unmasking the 60-Year Cover-Up. While some of the details slightly vary amongst the hundreds of witnesses, collectively, their stories are extremely similar. In 1978, so over 30 years after the crash, a UFO researcher and nuclear physicist, Stanton Friedman, also held interviews, one being Major Marcel since he was the officer that originally went to the wreckage site. Major Marcel revealed in this interview that he believed the wreckage was definitely not a weather balloon. He had never seen anything like the materials before due to how paper light they were, yet unbendable. They even used a sludge hammer at one point, and that didn't make a dent in it. A quote from Major Marcel is, 
quote, being an intelligence officer, I was familiar with just about all materials used in aircraft and or air travel. This was nothing like that. It could not have been. After this, Friedman interviewed more military and civilians involved and concluded that there was a massive cover-up of this incident. He included that they covered up the crash site, the materials, the spacecraft, and the supposed alien bodies which were found at the scene. According to a local radio show personality, Brazel, who was the rancher, had admitted that the object that had crashed was likely a UFO and that there were alien bodies. This interview never aired with these claims, though, due to the FCC and the senator at the time urging them not to. Locals and Brazel's family members have admitted to being threatened to keep quiet about the crash during the time it happened, and their homes were searched for crash site materials. Remember Brazel buying that brand new truck? Maybe the truck was a present to keep him quiet. Colonel Blanchard, who issued the original claim that there was a flying saucer crash, he oddly went on leave shortly after this press release, which is a fact, but officers claimed that this leave was a cover-up to clean up the crash site. A key component in this theory is that this is a fact. There was one photo taken in General Ramsey's office of the, I'm doing quotation marks, crash site materials. This photo was very popular. You can Google it to see it yourself. It was their proof of the materials of the crash were only weather balloon materials and nothing more. That isn't the key component, though. It's that there was a sealed statement from Lieutenant Hot. He was a public informant who went to the newspapers, which this sealed document was only to be opened after his death, and it claimed that the photo taken in Ramey's office was a hoax and that the crash site materials pictured were actual weather balloon pieces they took from somewhere else, like wherever they manufactured them. I think it's crazy how he was so scared that he literally told people to wait till after his death to open that piece of information. Another testimony comes from Major Lawrence Craig, who worked at an Air Force base called Wright Field, which this place is commonly thought as the place where the military took the alien bodies to from the crash site. When this general was asked to examine the crash, which he did, he then flew straight to Washington, D.C. afterwards to meet with President Truman, and shortly after that, he received a promotion. He later went on to be one of the founders of Project Sign, which was the first official investigation of UFOs by the U.S. Air Force. Now, those are all facts, but it's interesting the way that the string of events all happened and how he was quickly promoted, which I personally think it might have been a bribe for him not to expose any information and that he later founded Project Sign. Maybe, and this is theorizing, his experience examining the content from Roswell inspired him to found Project Sign, or the rumors fascinated him, and that's what inspired him. I guess it depends on which side you believe. Many military officials involved in the Roswell incident claim to have heard secondhand about the alien bodies that were supposedly at the crash site or seen them for themselves. Alien bodies across all witness statements are said to be short, around four foot tall, large head, large eyes, only a hole for the nose, and a large slit for the mouth. I just want to reference back to the Air Force's explanation of these supposed alien bodies being the human-sized dummies, because the human-sized dummies were six foot tall. That's what it says in their records of past tests of them actually doing the test with the dummies, yet these eyewitnesses claim that the alien bodies were at most four foot tall. I think that a person might easily recognize that much of a difference. 
There was a Sergeant Ennis who was stationed in one of the primary hangars for the debris from the crash called Hangar P3, and he always denied the crash and claimed that it was a weather balloon. But in 2008, he finally stated, quote, it was a spaceship. After all these years, I still don't know how that ship flew. There was no engine. Before I go, I have to know. Side note, it's interesting how some of these men literally waited until they're old so that they can come out and state their true opinions. Either they're sick and they want to mess with us, or they're genuinely terrified for their life from the military threats. And then when they were getting to their dying days, they figured why not come out and say the truth because their life can't be held against them anymore. I've also heard that the spaceships were said to have a certain keyboard-like control center, but it had all these like hieroglyphic symbols all over them that we don't understand. And maybe if it was aliens, it was controlled by them telepathically. But that's just the theory, of course. Anyways, the craft was also confirmed to be a UFO by many of the military officials that were on the crash site or examined it. It is said to be described as approximately 12 to 15 feet long and windowless. The metal was weightless, smooth, thin, couldn't be scratched or burned. It could be temporarily manipulated, like crumbling it into a ball, but then when you let it go, it went back into its original shape in a split second. Going back to the beginning, Major Marcel, who was the first one to investigate the crash site, it was his son, I believe, and he remembers his dad bringing home the material from the crash site and showing it to his family and describing it as, quote, not of this world. Then, in the 1950s, a well-known physicist and multiple government scientists studied the metal and concluded, quote, All we know is that we didn't make them, and it's pretty certain they didn't originate from Earth, end quote. The final factor that is a part of this theory is a group called the Majestic Twelve. This group was supposedly created by President Truman and had many scientists and military leaders as members whose duties were to find out exactly what happened at Roswell. There are official government documents from the FBI about this group, but these documents literally have the word bogus written all over each and every single piece of paper. These documents claim that the Roswell incident had three separate crash sites and as well as five total recovered bodies. This also states that six years prior to Roswell, Truman and FDR handled another UFO crash with three bodies that were recovered and were said to be not from this world. Alright, so it's been a little bit since anyone's really mentioned Roswell, so what exactly has happened since all this hoopla, you may ask? Well, there has been two archaeological digs at the site of the crash in search of anything that the Air Force might have missed or left behind, but they found nothing. The town of Roswell now has a UFO museum as well, since it's a popular tourist attraction as the crash site of Roswell, but I, I, I don't really understand why. I mean, this happened so long ago, there's nothing physically to see from the crash. No offense, but all the witnesses are dead or very old, like very, very old. So there's no one really to talk to anymore that actually saw it. It's not haunted to have that type of experience or to go see. But I see, I see the point of the museum back in the day. I get it for the town. It's a cute little town accessory, town history. I just, I don't know. I'm rambling now. I don't get why people visit so often. There is also a History Channel three-part series called Roswell, The First Witness, if you're interested in documentaries. 
There is a movie as well created based on the series of events and its theories, and that's called Roswell, if you're interested in that too. I always give my own personal thoughts and opinions on the theories that I go over. Considering that the year is 2021, I am an alien enthusiast. I have almost always believed in other life forms beyond our planet alone. It was even recently confirmed by our government and other governments multiple times that aliens are real and do exist. Please look it up. But it is not the question of aliens, it is the conspiracy theory. And I do think that it was a UFO that crashed that day with alien bodies. Why would, so quickly, news of the crash travel up the chain of command, then quickly clean up every single speck of evidence from the crash, turn around, literally all this within hours, and deny any possibility of aliens or flying saucers? I just don't understand if it was simply a weather balloon. And also, destroying all the files? Why? Experts who had jobs to identify materials are the ones that came out and said that it was a flying saucer, an unknown object. They would have been able to identify sticks, paper, and foil, but they didn't because they couldn't. The Majestic 12 group is interesting, and actually doing my research for this podcast was the first time that I'm hearing about them. I think that it could have some credibility since it's coming from the government. It's declassified so anyone can look at it on the FBI's website. It's funny to me that they wrote over top of all of it bogus, maybe to deter anyone from reading it or believing what they do read from it, which the writing makes someone like me just believe it even more since I suspect that they're trying to deter people from believing it. Now, I understand the reason for the cover-up in the 1940s. It's to prevent mass hysteria of everyone finding out that aliens exist and that it's possible for them to come crashing down at any moment. These people just survived wars. Today is different. We are different. And I think that people are much more open-minded anymore. And I believe that the government recently confirming aliens exist because so much is happening events-wise. People are literally like, aliens too? Okay, cool. Or they don't even know because there's so much else that we're distracted by. But... As a healthy reminder, these conspiracy theories are completely speculation. I'm not saying any of these are true or accusing anyone of anything. It is complete speculation in my opinion. I also include at the end of my episodes a famous true crime case of the week suggestion for listeners to look up on their own time, and I'm giving famous serial killer case suggestions. This week it's John Wayne Gacy. Aliens can be creepy and clowns for sure are creepy, which this sicko has the name of Killer Clown. You will have to look into this case on your own, though, to find out more. Once again, my name is Taylor Avery, and thank you for listening to Busy Buddy. Mm -hmm.